0: To start today's show off with something that you've been getting angry at me with.
1: I don't get angry at you.
0: You talk to me politely with a raised voice like that. (laughs) Welcome back to the In situ collective. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack. I'm the PT. Joining me is my partner Mac. She is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist. We have helped hundreds of people reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a chat about the journey along the way, lessons learned, teachable moments, and any topics we think that will help you reach your health and fitness goals as well. I wanted to start today's show off with something that you've been getting angry at me with.
1: I don't get angry at you.
0: You talk to me politely with a raised voice. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I figured this is a good lesson for everybody because Mac and I are reducing calorie, our calorie intake for a long time. Well, for myself, I've been trying to build muscle, which requires quite a lot of calories. Uh, and now I've pulled back a little bit and reducing my calories. So trying to get into that calorie deficit. And we have two very different ways of doing it. Um, Mac calls it fasting. I'm not calling it fasting. (laughs) I don't fast. Um, It sounds like I am, but it's more time-restricted eating. And Mac cannot do that.
1: So it makes me very mad because I can't do it. Yeah. Essentially.
0: (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I figured we could talk about our experiences, why we do it, why we're doing it, and all that sort of stuff, just for two good...
1: Two very different examples of calorie restriction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you go.
1: No, I got nothing. I was gonna say, you give us, tell everybody what you've been eating or when you start eating.
0: Yeah, so I I do like to give a bit of background in this sort of stuff because I don't want people to just copy what I'm doing because that's not the point of this story. It's to give you an idea of what you can do to get into calorie deficit. Don't just go, oh, this is what Jack's eating, I'll do that and I'll lose weight and that doesn't work like that. So for about two years now, I have been eating as much as I possibly can. Um, and everybody's like oh that's great but when you do it in a healthy way to build muscle it's actually quite hard and you feel very full all the time and Mm. very bloated Uh, so my way of calorie restricting is to restrict the time because when I eat I do like to eat a lot so I, I do enjoy eating so if I have breakfast, then that's obviously going to be a lot more calories in the day. So what I'm doing is just restricting my time and I start having food at about 11 or 12 o'clock in the, at lunch. Mm. And then I eat from there. So i still have, I'm still hitting a required calorie intake. It's just in a shortened time. So instead of having, say, a thousand calories at breakfast and then a thousand at lunch and a thousand at dinner and, you know, couple of things in between. Now I'm having say six to seven, maybe 800 depending on the meal at lunch, I guess afternoon tea and then dinner. So I'm still getting three meals in plus a couple of snacks, but the meals are smaller because they're pushed together. So I can't, I don't feel like I can eat as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's just a trick. I know this works best for me because I've tried a lot of different ways. I've, I've been doing calorie counting, restricting, eating more for years now. So I know what works best for me. And, I, and for somebody to just jump straight in and do it like that, it might not work and that's okay. It's just an idea of yeah. what to do.
1: Yeah. And there's endless ways you could do it. When, when I decide that I want to start eating a little less, whether my activity has gone down and I have to sit at the desk for longer or I want to lose a little bit of weight or fat or whatever, the first thing I start to do is not finish my meals and give it to Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Do you notice that? Um, Because obviously he requires a lot more calories than I do generally. Um, So yeah, I'll just stop when I feel not full, but satisfied. And I'm just like, here you go, you want the rest of this? and then Jack will eat it for me. Um, but aside from that, I cannot fast, I can't do it. I don't know what it is, maybe like IBS reasons, but even just having water in the morning, if I have an empty stomach for too long after drinking like half a liter of water, I feel sick. <laughs> and then if I have a coffee on an empty stomach, I get like the shakes really bad and feel jittery and scattered, whereas Jack can drink two coffees and not eat anything until lunch and he's fine. Um, So what I do, I guess, when I want to cut down my calories, firstly is give Jack my leftovers. (laughs) Um, I generally just eat less at lunch. So I still have, at the minute, I'm still having a normal-ish breakfast calorie-wise. And then probably half the amount of food I would usually eat for lunch. And instead of having an afternoon snack, I'm just having like a hot chocolate and then regular dinner.
0: Mm. See, I can't. I can't cut my meals down. Like
1: you just want to keep going yeah. in the moment. You just want to keep eating.
0: Yeah, and I I haven't got a jack to give my leftovers <laughs> to. So um, I think what you're saying there's a great idea. So obviously for people listening, like if you're trying to eat less, eat less on your plate, but get rid of the food. Like don't throw it out. Or keep it for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow or something. or something. But a lot will like. I'm just talking from self-experience. If I eat half the plate of food and then sit the plate of food close to me, I'm going to finish it.
1: You know, it's even funny. If I eat half a plate of food and then I sit the plate of food down, Jack will just automatically get it and finish it.
0: <laughs> um, and again, that's why I have to restrict my time. But I, after spending so much time in a calorie surplus, it is, I, I quite like being hungry. Yeah. I, I enjoy that feeling of actually getting hungry. Um, and some days are different. And I have to put this out there, like yesterday I stuffed this up completely. So yesterday I fasted, I hate using the word, yeah. but I fasted or time restricted for too long. And then my afternoon got busy, so I didn't get to have the second meal. So I only ended up having lunch and dinner with her snack in between.
1: But you had probably a 500 calorie dessert. <laughs>
0: Because I was trying to get some more calories in.
1: Yeah, so you still would have eaten enough calories. I, it was I, just all crammed together. Yeah,
0: but being a bigger day yesterday, I probably could have had some more calories. And today I feel like shit because I don't think I had enough calories yesterday.
1: Plus, you ate a lot of calories right before going to bed. Yeah,
0: which stuffed my sleeper. Yeah. So again, yes, it's good, but you need like if you're going to restrict your timing. Your feeding type
1: window. I window, guess.
0: you need to be all over it. Like you can't be just oh blasé. Yeah, I'll eat this. I'll eat that. I'll see how this goes. You need to be like lunch, dinner, snack, whatever. You need to have everything planned out. Yeah. Because if you don't and you miss a meal, your calories are going to drop too low, and that's a whole nother issue in itself. And you're going to start losing all the gains you got just. In the cal- calorie surplus, and you're going to have to go back into those calorie surplus just to get your muscle back.
1: all again. Because
0: you just lost it. And, yeah, it's not fun.
1: No. I will say that the diff- there's a big difference between the way you and I eat. So when you eat, you were saying how you just have the urge to finish everything on your plate. You probably eat not quite twice as much as me, but a little less than twice as much as me. mm and you eat it in half the time that I eat. So say we have wraps for lunch quite often and Jack will have two wraps in the time that I have one, like not even finish one wrap. You know, so I have like a a long time, like it probably takes me, it's taken a long, like this is taking a lot of practice, but it probably takes me 20 minutes to half an hour to eat a meal, which some people eat meals in less than 10 minutes, especially if they work a lot um but because I eat so slowly I get full and I don't want to finish it and it's easy for me to pass it off to you whereas you eat fast so I guess you don't have as much time to register that you've just eaten how much you've eaten
0: and that's again that's something that I've built in myself over the years because before I went on this two-year journey of trying to put on as much muscle as possible I was doing a lot of activity crossfit all that sort of stuff wise so I needed calories um, so you eat faster your body doesn't register that it's full so you can get more in yeah um, and just over the years that i've just tricked myself into doing that it's a very bad habit and i do not recommend it but when you're trying to get the calories in anybody out there that knows when you are trying to go into a calorie surplus in a healthy way
1: yeah it's very hard
0: Um, so you just got to do these little tricks to trick your body into getting more calories in, which is very hard to reverse when you're trying to do the opposite.
1: It's like you're climbing a mountain all the way to the top and then you get to the top and all of a sudden you have to go all the way back down with and not change Mm. or all of these things that you've learned on the way up are set in stone and then you have to go back down and try and change it. Yeah. It's very hard.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um... There was one more thing. Weren't you saying about your, what you said about raps, you were saying how your wraps used to be and how they are now?
1: Oh, so I did want to talk about, during the week, I, t- I take notes in my phone about the things that I want to talk about with you guys on the podcast. And I was eating my wrap by myself the other day, which never happens because Jack and I eat every meal together. And I was like, oh, you know what? I won't watch TV. I'll just sit and eat it. And I was just thinking about when I was back in high school and I decided that I wanted to start being healthier and eating healthier and losing some fat or weight, um, I started having wraps for lunch. But the wraps that I had for lunch in high school compared to the wraps that we eat for lunch now are so different. Like I wouldn't choose to eat the wrap that I used to eat in high school. So it used to be on like Helga's, is that the common brand or Just like the generic wraps you buy from the supermarket. Mm -hmm. And if you ever read the ingredients, they are full of shit. Mm. Like sometimes, because we generally now eat our wraps on Lebanese bread and the ingredients are salt flour water. Literally, that's it. Um, And then sometimes when the supermarket doesn't have the Lebanese bread, I look at the other wraps and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll find another one that isn't going to fall to pieces that doesn't have shit ingredients. And I have never been able to. Mm. It doesn't exist. So anyway, the high school Mac would eat like a Helga's wrap with like single wrap cheese, you know, (laughs) singles, cheese singles, Um, salami or ham, and then probably some tomato, cucumber and iceberg lettuce. And that's it really. Mm. And that's probably still more calories than the wrap we eat now, which is literally Lebanese bread, baked chicken. What else? Like a a bunch of different kinds of sprouts, rocket, tomato, avocado, cheese, carrot, like... Pear. Pear. It has so many ingredients on it. And I think that the wrap that we eat now, Mm. it's definitely healthier and it probably has less calories than the wrap that I was eating in high school. But I just found it funny how when you decide to eat healthy, at the very beginning, what you consider healthy changes so much throughout the journey, like you learn, I've learned so much about food and calories and portions and everything like that. And now I would not consider like, it's the same meal, but I wouldn't consider that wrap that I used to eat a healthy option.
0: Mm. Deli meats. It,
1: like,
0: <laughs> it must've been two years. I reckon I had white bread, mm. st- Probably single cheese, maybe I can't remember exactly what cheese, but cheese, ham, and mayonnaise, and it's just like I, I can't even remember the last time we had deli meat. Like,
1: Never. Maybe yeah. when we made a pizza.
0: Yeah, and that's like, but that, like you said, it's just a journey of understanding what is healthy. Like I used to think being healthy was just getting a tin of tuna, and <laughs> eating the tins of tuna. Yeah. But then the the. the plain ones were terrible so you'd go for the flavor ones and you'd still think oh it's good because it's tuna but and look again it's not bad no it's just one tin of tuna by itself is not healthy like it's only a couple of like not that many calories for a human to function yeah um and yeah just I didn't realize you need fruit, vegetables, everything else to go you with it, just not just a tuna. tuna.
1: I just think that it's not emphasized enough that when you decide to change your diet, it's literally an evolution. Mm. Like it doesn't just happen. You can't go from eating heavily processed foods to eating all of the right foods, balanced meals, enough protein, enough carbohydrates and fat. You have to evolve through it and learn through it. Otherwise, it's not going to stick.
0: Well, and your taste buds are going to change as well. Yes. So if you go from eating heavily processed foods and then try and go from that straight into fruit and vegetables and, you know, grain-fed meat and all that sort of stuff, your taste buds aren't going to like it because the processed food is a lot more delicious, a lot more sugars, a lot more things to make you go back and get those processed foods. They are designed that way. Yeah. Um, So... You, you Yeah, like you said, you just want to make changes and then slowly change anyway. If you do change everything at once, there's no way you're going to be able to stick with it.
1: And vegetables are going to seem gross. Whereas now, I crave vegetables. And I barely, I never actually, I never crave sugar, biscuits, something like that. Only if we have probably been out or been to someone's house and eaten something like that. It's then literally for a few days after eating sugary whatever i feel like sugar but Mm. if we don't eat it it doesn't even cross my mind Mm. i was watching a youtube video the other day that spoke about a very interesting study on children and like self-regulation self-control so they had two groups of kids and both groups had a single marshmallow placed on the plate in front of them one group had to sit there with their hand over their eyes and sit there for as long as they could without eating the marshmallow and the other group had to just sit there and look at the marshmallow and go for as long as they could without eating it and the group that covered their eyes three times the duration that they could sit in front of the marshmallow because they couldn't see it whereas the other group of kids could see it It was pink it was fluffy it's like they can almost taste it because they're looking at it so their self-control was next to nothing. Isn't that so interesting?
0: <laughs> that goes back to exactly what we were just talking about at the start, how you get rid of your scraps to meat.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> I can't see them. You it.
0: can't see them. It's gone. Um, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I, I can't sit there with a plate of food in front of me and not eat it. Yeah. So,
1: so yeah. Close your eyes. Before we move on to the next topic, let's just to, I guess, make us feel more relatable to everyone listening. Tell One Meal... Tell everybody about one meal that you used to eat all of the time that now you think is disgusting.
0: (laughs) I shouldn't even be saying
1: this.
0: (laughs) This was my go-to after school because again, like I was saying, like at lunch I'd probably have a tin of tuna or something like that, thinking it's healthy. Then I got home, after being active all day, I'd be starving. So (laughs) I would have two pieces of bread. I'd probably toast them, I'm assuming. Tin spaghetti,
1: Mm.
0: so whether just a bit of tin spaghetti on each one, some bacon or ham on top of the spaghetti, and that would have been melted cheese on top of that.
1: Ew, you really liked tin things. Tin tuna, tin beans, tin spaghetti. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, So that was my... I I don't even know where I got it from, but yeah.
1: Anything... Spaghetti,
0: (laughs) bacon and cheese on top.
1: Wow. Yeah. I often like we often come across foods or ads on TV and it reminds me of the things that I used to eat when I was a kid and I tell Jack and my mom was a single mom and like we ate vegetables and stuff still, but she always tried to give us the fun foods and like the exciting foods, I guess. So we ate so much bad shit, like so much <laughs> processed food. But the worst thing that I think that... I ate nutritional value wise for the longest time would be something very similar and it was toast with avocado, baked beans and cheese. Mm. And I would have that for lunch and dinner, seven days a week sometimes yeah. um, when I moved out of home. And then when I went to uni in Melbourne, the worst thing that I used to eat was a cup of instant noodles, you know, like the noodles you put hot water in. Mm. with tomato sauce and grated cheese.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's done that one. And that
1: was just like my normal dinner yeah, at I've, uni. <laughs>
0: I've done that with two-minute noodles. Yeah. Um, oh, I forget what I was going to say. No, lost it.
1: Just like the nutritional, like there is no nutritional value in that meal though. Mm. Zero.
0: Oh, that's what I was going to say. At least you have an avocado. I don't think I knew avocados existed until my late teens. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... Like, we ate, I'm going to say we ate decently healthy, except for the meal I just sort of suggested. But most of the time, when it was dinner and all that sort of stuff, it was meat and veggies. And mum did a good job at that. And there wasn't a lot of processed food in our diets, but there wasn't a lot of variety either. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I had no idea what an avocado was. I didn't know that, even though they existed until my late teens.
1: That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Did you know Mac and I? have created our very own app, yes, you can download the in Collective app for free in the App Store. This is where we put all our good content, all our programs, courses, guides, everything you need to achieve your health and fitness goals. Whether you're looking at building muscle, lose weight, or just improve your overall health and wellness, the app has got it. So make sure you head to the App Store or wherever you get your apps from, Just search IN-SITU Collective and our app will pop up, give it a download and jump straight into the guides, programs or anything you need to achieve your goals. Last week I had a question about protein uh, at the end of the show and I sort of talked about protein and that sort of stuff and then I'll put a snippet of that protein conversation up on social media, and there was a bit of back and forth with a few few people in the comments and in my DMs about protein and the amount of protein I suggested to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had also had a conversation with one of our clients about protein and intake and then calorie uh, macros on from that. So I thought it'd be a good idea, dear, get my words out properly, mm-hmm. to just have a quick chat about it. Um, I wanted to just start with why... Uh, a high protein diet is so important and what it's good for so a lot of the time when we talk about high protein diet it's all aesthetics
1: Mm
0: -hmm. whenever we're saying you know if you want to get healthier or look better it's high protein but high protein isn't necessarily all about looks Uh, your organs your brain everything else in your body is made up from protein everything protein is is very important but then also a benefit of a high protein diet is the looks as well so don't just think about protein as i need to get protein to have a certain look you need protein to be healthy
1: yep a functioning to be a functioning human being at the minute at uni i'm doing a biology unit and it go it, it speaks about protein a lot but not in the sense that anyone listening to this podcast is probably used to, like you said, for aesthetics. It's just about how without protein, without us as humans being able to eat enough protein, we would not have evolved to where we are now. It's Mm. because we were able to kill animals and eat protein more than any other animal um, that we have evolved the, the way that we have. And the fact that we could cook protein to get the better nutrients out of it and digest it better has allowed us to be here today, mm. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. And I don't know why we lost. Where do we? When did we lose that message with that comes along with protein? Like, it's gone from we need protein to be evolved, smart, functioning humans to we need protein to look jacked.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, and we sort of spoke about that with protein powders and all that sort of stuff at the end of the day we haven't had protein powders forever but it's just a derivative of you know a byproduct of milk and cheese and all that sort of stuff we've had that forever Uh, and it's never been a focus on the muscles like no so yeah it's just obviously it's just since the social media age or not even that before that the bodybuilders and all that sort of stuff and people realize that they had this byproduct that was high in protein And then like, well, how are we gonna sell it? And it's like, well, here's these people lifting weights that are looking for an easy, cheap source of protein. We just slap a label on it and it apparently builds your muscles. But uh, I just wanted to say that when you take in protein, whether it's a protein powder as well, your organs take the first pick of the protein. And then your ligaments and your tendons and all that sort of stuff take the next pick, and then the whatever's left over goes to your muscles. So it's not as uh, oh you take a protein shake and it goes straight to your muscles, which most people think that's exactly the process of happening. Yeah. Where your muscles get the last pick of the protein. So, and again, it's not. There are some proteins out there that are better for your muscles. I guess you could say better for muscle growth, but still your organs are always going to take first pick over your muscles.
1: Yeah. On the topic of, like, on that same gist, I guess, we ran out of protein powder, what, two weeks ago? Mm. So generally that is the protein source we have for breakfast, protein powder and Greek yogurt. And we haven't, obviously, Jack's been fasting pretty much since we ran out of protein powder, and I've been, like, just struggling with breakfast, Because we have no protein powder, I'll eat my oats, and then I'm immediately hungry. Like I can't even emphasize how much of a difference having protein for breakfast makes. Way back before we used to, before I had protein, I would have porridge all the time for breakfast, but then be hungry and be like, "What's the point of eating breakfast? I should just stay hungry because it starts your metabolism and starts your digestion." So. Generally, you do get hungrier than if you hadn't of eaten anything at all. Mm. So now I'm having oats, very heavily carbohydrate-based meal, without any protein powder, and I'm freaking starving like 30 minutes later. So not only is it really good for your insides, outsides, but your appetite control and your ability to focus as well. I notice such a big difference if I don't have protein for breakfast in my ability to apply myself in work and uni. Mm. It's insane. Yeah.
0: Um, just before we move on, like I said, we were having a conversation with a client this week about protein, uh, and he was like, well, his question was based around, well, this is my weight, this is how much protein I eat, or this is my height, this is how much protein I eat, what about carbohydrates? And it sort of brings up, a, it was a great question because we know off your body weight, technically you should be weighing yourself and your protein intake goes off your muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So however much your muscle weighs on your body, that's how much pro like times that by two is how much protein you should be eating. But you know, if you just jump on the scales, there's muscle, there's fat, there's water weight, there's bones, yeah. there's everything else. So that's why height is a better measurement. But we know that measurement is pretty much what you should be eating in grams of protein. And he's like, "Is there a calculation to work out how many carbs?" So I thought that was a good thing to talk about.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. I said to this. I said, I think you or I said to this client that you can't like calculate your carbs like that. You have to calculate your total daily energy expenditure and the calories that you need to balance your energy and have enough energy because protein's role is not primarily to give you energy but like we said to build your the building blocks the cells of your body and then so carbohydrates and fat energy our energy like relies on those two things so it's not necessarily about the amount of grams but the percentage yeah
0: and energy output yeah so the way when you're describing i picture that as a graph in my head so if my calorie intake for the the day is 3000 calories I know that the protein is gonna take about 40% of that. So the rest is going to be broken up into a percentage of carbohydrates and fats. Yep. And then there's no set standard of how many carbs and fats that should be. Like Max said, it depends on what you work on best. Some people prefer high fat and low carb. Some people prefer high carb and low fat. So those percentages are gonna change and there's unfortunately there's no set calculation on this is how many carbs you need to eat Mm.
1: i don't think that's unfortunate i think it's fine because also when people say carbs i think they think of bread pasta rice but it should be all vegetables and fruit so it's not like you i don't know it's not like there is an upper limit of how much vegetables and fruit is a good amount to eat Mm. you know what i mean so yeah i think it works better as a percentage
0: yeah you just got to work out what works best for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Before we wrap the show up with listener questions, I just wanted to thank you. Yes, you listening. This podcast has been growing a lot over the last couple of months, and it is thanks to people like you that have been listening, interacting, giving us questions to answer on the show, and giving us a five star review and positive comment. If you haven't done that already, we'd appreciate it a lot if you could give us a five-star review, positive comment, wherever you are listening to this podcast, because that does go a long way to help us reach more people and help them reach their health and fitness goals as well. Thanks in advance, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so listener questions. Uh, Had a few this week, but one question in particular turned into a conversation, and it was about your nervous system exercises, what workouts slash exercises fatigue your nervous system more than others. So I f- figured we could just spend the last part of this podcast just talking about that and our experiences and what we recommend.
1: Cool. You go first. <laughs> uh,
0: so unfortunately or fortunately, this is very individualized. So our body adapts to stress in a very different ways. So what stresses myself is gonna stress Mac very differently. Um, now, this could be just because, I, let's talk about a deadlift. A deadlift stresses your nervous system, your central nervous system quite a lot because it puts a lot of pressure on your body. You're, pretty much every muscle should be working when you're doing a deadlift properly. So your whole body is working. So it's taxing your nervous system quite a lot. Now I'm a lot more experienced in deadlifting because I've been doing a lot longer than Mac, so I can probably do more deadlifts or a heavy deadlift and be less stressed compared to her. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, less you'll feel less physically fatigued.
0: Yeah. So if a new, if you get somebody brand new into deadlifting and never deadlifted before, they might not be lifting very heavy or intensely but it could be fatiguing them because it's a new movement and it's a new stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where you've got to be smart about these sort of things as well. So if you jump into say an F45 or a hit session or CrossFit, something like that, where it's the workout is high intensity anyway. So obviously intensity means a lot more stress on the body. So you're going to be fatiguing. So you can't do it for a long duration. Mm. Um, So again, if you're a newcomer to that, you need to be very careful that you don't overstress yourself.
1: I do hear a lot of local stories of people that start something like that that haven't really exercised or maybe they've just run because running is a very common place for people to start in the past. And then they jump into a class like that and they nearly pass out or they nearly vomit or they feel sick for hours afterwards because they put so much stress on their entire body and their entire nervous system.
0: Yeah, if you push that hard in a workout where you wanna throw up or be sick or black out, you're doing it completely wrong. So that's what I'm talking about. So if, and somebody that's more experienced will know that they're gonna stop themselves way before that even happens because yeah. it's not good to push yourself there because your body can't really adapt it. In that point, it is that stress that it's just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So again, you've just got to figure out what works best for you and take your time into into those stressful ones Um, but then obviously the topic and we actually had this conversation with a client that i'm training who's an athlete he started yoga this week because he has a fight coming up Um, so he's a boxer so boxing is quite intense the weights we do are quite intense so he's equaling that out with a bit of yoga instead of another weight session so there's things you can do to counteract it I guess you would say
1: yeah definitely I think also resting like if you're doing something intense like weightlifting four days a week or going to a HIIT class four days a week week after week after week you never fully get the chance to, to rest and I think since we did the 75 hard challenge which we also haven't spoken about failing didn't we? <laughs> no yeah. um, since we did the 75 hard challenge where we were working out twice a day And then we tried to drop it back to going just normally again. And I just physically, I couldn't do what I was doing before the 75 hard challenge and mentally. I couldn't lift as much. I couldn't do as many reps. My stamina was completely shot. And because we'd spent so long with that high, like demanding my nervous system day after day, twice a day, you know, doing these higher intensity things that Jack and I ended up both just taking a week off. Mm. exercise like I think you did a little bit of trigger sessions I did some yoga and we just walked Mm. and those things are very like low intensity and not very energy demanding on your nervous system and then coming back to the gym this week I'm lifting way heavier than I was before like my mind muscle connection is way stronger I feel like I have a lot more endurance to go for longer I have a lot more energy after the workout I think a very clear sign if you're um, overdoing it and putting too much pressure on your what do we call it? energy nervous sy- system. Nervous system. After you work out you'll feel exhausted which mm. you shouldn't. When Once you've worked out if you're doing it right you should have more energy than when you started.
0: Yeah. You that's sh- that's yeah. a great point. Um, yeah, I like that. You should, yeah. If you're feeling exhausted and feel like shit and you haven't got any energy after your workout you're doing something wrong. Yeah. That's great. It's
1: time to reassess. Yeah.
0: Um, And I know we bang on about this all the time, but sleep, Mm. like if you want to up the intensity and you want to start pushing a little bit harder, you need to focus on your sleep more. Uh, Otherwise things are just going to catch up a whole lot quicker than you can actually recover during the day. Yeah. So make sure you sleep, but I also do want to flip that on its side and go the other way. So, um, People can look at this and not get any results in the gym because they're like, "Well, I'm not pushing hard, and I don't want to stress my body too much." And people, we sort of spoke, we've sort of touched on this last week. How um, you know, people doing yoga are very flexible, all that sort of stuff, but they might not be getting strength results because they don't strength train. So, the, yes, doing yoga and all that sort of stuff is very good and. You should do it to recover and bring your heart rate down, um, have that good mind-body connection, but there's also benefit to stressing your body as well. Yes. So don't feel like stressing your body is a bad thing. You've just got to do it in the right way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, 100% agree with that. On the academic side of that exact point that you just made, at uni a lot, they emphasize stress isn't bad to a certain degree. Mm. So like exercise, you should stress your body to a certain degree. It's the same in life, like having a little bit of stress like at university or work is going to allow you to focus better, push a little bit harder, just meet deadlines, just get stuff done. But then if you allow the stress to go too far, obviously you probably procrastinate, you can't concentrate, everything's overwhelming, you're emotional, you can't sleep. So for both exercise and academia, You have to find, like, the good amount of stress, Mm. the balanced part. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks again for everybody tuning in and listening to the end. We appreciate everybody that submits your questions, interacts, and listens. So make sure you uh, give us a five-star review and a positive comment wherever you're listening to the podcast. And thank you very much. We'll talk to you all in the next episode. (laughs) Bye.